Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast as usual. I'm your host at NFL on Twitter and of course follow the group at UK Packers. And I'm very excited, Peter Jones at IT Hedgehog on the twat box. Uh, Peter, author of the 2022 draft guide. Oh man, this is just, you know, as a man who works with, you know, numbers and figures and all the rest, Peter... The draft guide just by presentation. It's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. Oh, thank you. It's been uh, <laughs> it's a labour of love, as you know, Steve. It's but uh... you'd you'd almost think you'd been working on it for three years, but I mean, well... you know, it gives <laughs> off that vibe. Well, it kind of feels like that. And if you if you you know if we cut down to the chase, I've just started to type up some of my notes for the twenty twenty three draft into next year's document. So so um yeah, but no, it's been. Like I say, it's been a labour of love, but it's good. It's good fun as well. Keeps you on your keeps keeps you on your toes. Yeah, well, like Jesus, do you know what? You're a strange guy for doing this, Pete. Very strange. You know the knowledge <laughs> that you have. It takes the genius of your magnitude to put this stuff together. I'm glad people like you, Elon Musk. Um, who else have you got? Uh, the guy from A Beautiful Mind. Uh, he was good. Uh, you. You know, I, I mean, you're up there on the Mount Rushmore of just creative geniuses. This thing, because look, it's three hundred. And what, 38 pages? Is that what we said? 334? A ridiculous amount anyway. I've lost count. Um, and it's just a beautiful document. It's got it's highlighted in the right places. I mean, the, the content is... Look, and this is what I'll say, right? Do I sound like I'm very schmoozy right now? And am I very complimentary? Yes, yes, I am. And you know, the last time I was probably this schmoozy in the podcast and then I got absolutely shit-canned by someone um, on Twitter was when I had Chris Westling on, right? And I was very complimentary about him and he was gracious to give his time. And we all know how that turned out. And the thing is, is do I regret being schmoozy and, and thanking him for, for doing his stuff? No. So this is the thing. Peter, absolutely fantastic bit of work. It's got some fantastic reviews already, people digging in. I've been binging on it um, since you sent it across because I guess I, like everybody else, um, sort of as, is a bystander looking at this uh, wondering. But, you know, you get into the psyche of Gudekunst. You talk about sort of, you know, the amount of players the Packers have selected in the past, at what position there's little factoids and stuff going through it. Dear God, man, and the graphs. But that's what I'll say, right? But Peter, still... Um, wh- what can I insult you about? Your hair, Peter. Don't like your hair, pal. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was my shoes last week. Now yeah. it's my hair. No, don't like the hair, pal. Yeah, just g- <laughs> general, your your fashion sense, Peter. I've no idea what your fashion is like. But at the same time, Peter, don't like it. And this has come from a man who's shoulder-like hair. Uh, so come here. Look, we're going to talk about the draft. And I'm I'm really looking to get digging into this. Because, look, people can dig into the draft guide. They can sort of read up the positions. But we're going to get into the nut and bolts. Because, Pete, um, when you're doing this draft you look at the Packers-centric perspective on this. Now, I know um, Rob from uh, the famous Browns Twitter guy, he's come on and sort of said, like, look, this is for everybody, and it is for everybody, absolutely no doubt. But if you're a Packers fan, you're going to enjoy this, aren't you? Because you do split stuff out very Packers-centric, as in, here's the facts about this player, and here's why he does or does not fit with the Packers. Here's what they might go for. Here's what they've done in the past. Here's Gutekunst's thing. It's brilliant. Um, So I guess everyone else is happy with it. Are you happy with how it turned out? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 like all of these things. At the point you finish it, you you think, well, maybe I could have done this or I could have done that, and and that's kind of your ideas for for next year's and you know changing the layout or whatever it might be. But yeah, no, generally speaking, 
absolutely pleased with it. Um, and um, is it scary, yeah. Pete? Though you know when you put because look, you have this. So you've a number of things going through. You've you've like you know positions by ranking and stuff, and you've your top three hundred. Is it scary to put that in print? And you do this deliberately every year. It's it's completely intentional. Where you won't be one of the guys who releases your draft guide. You know, two months, seven months before, because so much stuff is changing. You even have a little injury indication throughout your draft guide to show you what players have picked up injuries and stuff. But is that scary? Do you ever put it down, release it, and go, ah, balls? I should have changed that. <laughs> yeah, and 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 actually, that that putting the 300 in order so so i've already got that 300 if you like in order for next year so that's yeah. how far we are but it changes and you're absolutely right that that in itself takes takes a lot of time because because even just reformatting the document to move players around in that 300 takes the time but it but that is the most scary thing is mm. that because you know i can sit now with a little bit of time and start looking more about what other people are saying because I, I try not to allow that to influence me. And they're saying about player X, you know, they really like. And you, you start to second guess yourself. Yeah. Let me go look more at player X. But you know, generally speaking, I think that this 300 as it sits now is very close to where the 300 sat a month or so ago. So we've had one or two injuries, one or two significant injuries. David Ajabo is the obvious one that comes to comes to mind. Um, because he was probably going to be a top 10 overall pick and has, has slipped down with his Achilles injury. So it's been one or two injuries, but generally speaking, you know, within one or two places for each for each player, um, they're pretty much as they sat a month or so ago. So, you know, I think at this I think at this stage, I think all of us that look at the draft, yeah, you, you have to say, what could significantly happen barring an injury mm. to change a, a, a player's status now when you've been looking at those guys for the last two years, three years, four years? Nothing ought to change now barring an injury or some legal difficulty that changes their position significantly. Rumours, Pete. Uh, bong, well, bong picks Pete. I mean, we saw someone getting sabotaged in a draft about a couple of years ago where he was literally at the draft in his suit, in his nice socks, and someone start releasing, you know, pictures or text messages or whatever. It's, it gets, it can get nuts. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, and that absolutely happens with the, you know, but but for me that doesn't change how I feel about the three about the three hundred. You know, once we get into, and I I tried to make a point of that when I described the three hundred is I'm not trying to predict where where teams are going to pick these players. You know, because we just don't know what individ, the way individual teams are thinking, mm. and how the you know taking. A particular player here in the draft affects a pick a pick later on. You know, you just you just you just don't know that. So, you know, I always think back many many years to when Dan Marino um, was drafted in '83, and he was the sixth quarterback taken in that draft, and everybody expected him to be the first quarterback probably or the second behind uh, John Elway. Yeah. Um, but there were you know the rumors started coming out on draft day about about Marino and he slipped all the way down the draft and those rumors turned out not to be true which was why Miami picking second from last in that in the first round got Marino when he really should have gone probably the second overall pick Amazing. so that stuff can it can can impact it but you know we have to be 
we're happy with where we are with the 300 and we'll go from there, I guess. Yeah, and look, I can't, I don't find, and this is why we do this thing, right? And I, I say we, I'm not talking about the draft guide here, that's you. Uh, but, but this this podcast, so we do this sort of format every year where we jump on and just by my very nature, um, A, being curious, but also B, not really having a dog in the fight when it comes to college because I don't delve in and stuff like that. It's great to be able to sort of, I don't know, Pete, because this stuff is genius level stuff. And I kind of dumb you down a bit here, I think, when I'm like, oh, what's this guy? You know, so at least you have someone. Because what I find is, right, when anytime I try to listen to draft centric podcast, they're always banging about 15 names out every two seconds. I don't know what position they play, who they are, yeah. if they're good, if they're not good. And I just can't relate to it. And I, I eventually I tried again today um, in preparation for this. And I was like, all right, you know, I want to familiarize myself with a couple of these names and the rumors and the stuff that's flying around. But paid, I, I just couldn't hang on to it because it was all of these names that I had no rashes about. So what we like to do on this podcast is is that you put this together and we tackle sort of offense and then next week defense. And then after that, then we'll sort of hit special teams and kind of a roundup to see what's changed. Um, so have you anything to say before I start absolutely scattergunning you with questions now about all things offense? No, let's go. Let's go. Let's roll. Now, yeah. what I would say is... is sort of on an overall basis when you look at this draft and I know we spoke about this in sort of previous podcasts but again just to get a general sense of it right um, and from reading your draft guide and binging into your draft guide uh, the summary basically is that there is no quarterback that stands out it's not a quarterback heavy draft not that that's particularly important for the Packers but I think it's it's important to know to see who would go first wide receiver is allegedly deep um, then when it comes to running backs you know, the jury's out and then there's a couple of offensive linemen that are up there for grabs. When you look at this draft from an offensive point of view, is it more defense heavy, more offense heavy? And is it really not really adept at, at quarterback? Or could we see sort of what we saw in previous years where they look at these quarterbacks, none of them are particularly standout-ish, but once there's a run on that position, and I guess we saw this with wide receiver as well when Justin Jefferson was up and all this type of stuff, that once they start taking one off the board, teams start to panic. Is this a panicky offensive or defensive draft? Well, it, it possibly is. And I think I think not so much defensively. I think those guys are more clearly set in stone roughly as to where they're going to get selected. But I think often often the quarterback situation almost drives the whole of the offensive draft. And you and you've summed it up fantastically there. I mean there are the potential there's potentially five quarterbacks that could go in the first round. Yeah. Um but on the face of it, you know, it, it would it would be a surprise if if that many went. It just partly depends on where does the first guy go and does that start to as, as you say, you know, bring teams into play for a quarterback early that perhaps wouldn't be. I think the other thing with quarterbacks is that because of the five-year contract that first, you know, first-round draft picks get, the four years plus the option year, um, that potentially drives a team picking 31st or 32nd to take a quarterback mm. that they might otherwise wait for because you want that fifth-year option on the quarterback who's the most expensive on the most expensive player. So what you, what we might see here is teams sitting in the second round who won a quarterback trading up into the end of the first round to try and get perhaps the third or fourth quarterback on the, on the board who, who probably in a, in another year would slip into the second round. Yeah, which again, and why you raise it is, is because it's in around that position, obviously that the Packers, we could see movement with the Packers. Now it's always very difficult to predict 
especially with Gudekunst, uh, whether he's going to move up, move down, move sideways, you know what I mean? So we really don't know what's going to happen here, Pete, with this quarterback position. But what you're saying basically is that this is definitely one to watch if that does happen. Yeah, and I, and I think and I think for the Packers, particularly with that 28th pick, mm. you know, it's if, if there's two or three players that you like at, at 28, and it could be could be wide receivers, and there's a whole group of them that could could you know with not much to choose between them that could be available at 28. Yeah. Yes, I'm trading down to 35, and picking up perhaps a third round pick for just moving down seven places. Absolutely, I'm absolutely doing that, and. Because that gives me then options with those third round picks. Maybe I want to put those two third round picks together and come back into the second round with those. And all of a sudden, I've got four second round picks in a, in a draft that's where there's a huge amount of wide receivers that could be in that range. So, so I think it's great, great flexibility at, tw- at 28, having you know the number 22 pick as well. Which is a perfect opportunity. Before we kind of get into the quarterbacks, because I, I know that the Packers aren't going to go for a quarterback, um, you know, famous last words. <laughs> uh, but when we look at that, it, it's interesting, Pete, that you're talking about packaging picks and trading up and down. Can you give us a general sense then? Because this is, you know, we always hear this every year, is that, oh, the Packers should have gone for X player. And they don't consider how much they would have to give away for that player. And it's usually... By and large, someone who looks at a draft, you know, four years ago and says, oh, if only they would have got X player, well, then blah, blah, blah. You know, the usual ones that come up are like TJ Watt or um, Justin Jefferson or, you know, whoever. And and they just pick that player. And look, you look at TJ Watt, incredible. You look at Justin Jefferson, like legitimate, unbelievable player. But then it's whether they would have evaluated him at that point or whatever. So what does it take for a team to move up and down within, say, the first round, second round, third round? Because it's incredibly expensive, isn't it, to move up even a couple of spots in the first? It is, especially especially, especially in the first round, as, as you say. So, so, if, so if you looked at, let's say the Packers are picking at 22, right, and they wanted to get to, let's just throw pick 10 out there, for example. There's a guy that they really want, a pick 10, and they want to get from 22 to, to pick 10. Hmm. Um, you're talking about probably throwing in the other first round pick to get from 22 to, to, to 10. So... 22 plus 28 equals pick 10, roughly roughly speaking. And they might even have to throw, you know, a later round pick in there as well. And that's a that's a lot to give up to get one to get one player. Mm. You have to be really sure that that player is going to going to going to hit. And nobody knows, do they? In 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 NFL terms, whether any player, however good they look in college, is is going to be a hit. And you only have to look at Mitch Trubisky and Patrick Mahomes going <laughs> in the same draft. Yeah. And, and and the Bears and other teams would have done it, you know, made that trade to go and get Trubisky because everybody thought that he was the guy. And as it turned out, you know, they've given up a lot of collateral for a guy who hasn't turned out to be the guy. You know, let's hope his career takes off at, at Pittsburgh. But um, had they sit and waited or not moved as far, they could have had Mahomes. So it's it, it's a it's a very it's a very dangerous game. Yeah, because look, the the draft means everything and also nothing at all. It means like, you know, you can get that player and it does work out and you are a hero and you end up in the Hall of Fame or you pick that player and all of a sudden he's known as the bust and he's doing, you know, Theo Vaughn podcasts for the rest of his life about how it didn't work out for him. So let's look at the at the quarterback position, Pete, right? Yeah. We know the turbulence the Packers have had at the quarterback position. 
when you look at these quarterbacks and when we look at your draft guide and we look at the sort of top 10 positions um, and you have them listed you know, 1 to 25 and like from pick 11 down, it's round 7 or undrafted free agents. So like the top 10 is basically all that's almost draft worthy here, which seems a bit mad to me. And when you look at these players, we you know, Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett and Matt uh, Corral or Coral, when you look at these guys, how do they stack up to Jordan Love? And if it's not favourable... Do you think that, and I know you put sort of in the blurb in your draft guide, not to spoiler alert for anybody, that, you know, you're not convinced that there will be any move for Jordan Love. And I'd like to know also why that is. Do you think that the Packers won't let him go, that there won't be an offer big enough? But how does he stack up to all of these guys that are coming out this year? So so I think I think if you put Malik Willis to one side for a moment, so I think if you go from the, the second quarterback, our second quarterback, Kenny Pickett downwards, I think that Jordan Love would, would go higher than any of those guys. If, if he if he were coming out into in, in into this draft, um, I think Malik Willis is a slightly different case because of his athletic ability mm. and, and you know the the arm strength that that Willis has got and and the fact that he has a huge what we call you know a huge upside. Now we what we don't know is how big that upside you know in reality going to turn out to be, but if there's one guy in here that could be the second coming of Patrick Mahomes. It's Malik Willis, and and I, and I guess teams hang their hat on if he could be. I'm going to take the, take the chance on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, as I look down this 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 class of quarterbacks, and you've summed this up nicely, and I think you can almost stop at the seventh quarterback, uh, so Bailey Zappi, and then all the guys after that, none of them may get drafted. You know, I think you you know you're looking at sixth, seventh rounders and, and 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 free agents. But I think this is a draft of the top five, then Carson Strong, then Bailey Zappi, and then a bunch of guys who may or may not slip into the slip into the end of, end of the draft. With regard to Jordan Love, I mean, I think that somebody asked me this question weeks ago about what do I think he would be worth in the marketplace. And I think right now he's worth a second round pick. Mm. Right. I think realistically you have to say that because he's not played for, for th- in essence, three years, it would be difficult to recoup the first round pick that you got for him. So I think his value is around the second round. If a team were to offer the Packers a second round pick for Jordan Love, given where the, the state of the Packers franchise today, Rogers is coming back for let's say it's two years. We don't know whether it's two or three or four or even five, but let's say it's two years. By the end of that two years, Jordan Love is reaching his option year and is about to be a free agent anyway. Yeah. So we, we don't know what's going to happen with that. It would also be a player that potentially hadn't played for five years by by that point. So so I so I if it would be and a team offered the Packers a second round pick, perhaps on draft day for Jordan Love, I would jump at it. Yeah. And and that's that's got nothing to do with how I feel about Jordan Love because I still think he can be a very fine quarterback in the NFL. That's not a judgment on him. That's about understanding all of the parameters that go into this. Somebody offered me a second round pick for Jordan Love on draft day. I'm, ta- I'm taking it. Yeah. What that then means, and I think this is the only circumstance under which the Packers would draft the quarterback, is that the you then look towards perhaps the middle rounds to a Carson Strong in round three or a Bailey Zappi in round four or five, and say, I might want to draft one of those guys. Um, because A, they give you the third quarterback, but they're probably going to be the second quarterback. But also, Carson Strong in particular has the potential 
to eventually be an NFL starter mm. because he's got he's got he's got an arm which is out of this world, strongest arm in this draft. Um, what, what a name! Can, what a name to have uh, yeah. if that's your <laughs> skill. <laughs> Carson, Carson's strongest arm in the draft. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and 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 it's just it's just a third round pick. You know, I say just, but it's just a, it's just a third round pick. So it absolutely gives you. You know, a guy to de- a guy to develop who may or may not work out. Mm. Um, but I think that's the circumstances in which the Packers would look at one of those guys, Carson Strong or Bailey Zappi, in three, four, and five. And is there any way you see the Packers if they get into the late rounds? Is there? And let's just do the hypothetical where you know people look at this quarterback class, they're not convinced, and so one of these guys sits higher on the draft board for the Packers. Is there any chance with a late round pick, do you think, that any of these quarterbacks could be picked up by the Packers? Or have you anybody to sort of keep your eye on, sort of if stuff falls a certain way, watch out for him because he might sort of come up? Would that be the Carson Strong and Bailey Zappi for you then? So, so, so yeah, it would. And those guys would be in, in, the, in the middle rounds. I think, I think, I think if, if, if Love isn't traded, I would be surprised because I think they'd be pretty set with, um, you know, Rogers Love and Kurt Benkert. It's a, it's a possibility. And I think if, if they were to do it, it may be that they would be looking for a gadget type guy that gives you something completely different. And that would be EJ Perry out of Brown. Mm. Um, so, so you kind of think Taysom Hill type, if you like, if you want to look at a comparison in the, in the current NFL, good passer, yeah, excellent, excellent runner, perhaps could play wide receiver. Who, who knows? It would be that type of guy. Cause I, I don't otherwise see why you would be looking for, for a, a third quarterback when you've got three. Yeah, it'd be a bit nuts. But I mean, we have seen it, but not with the quarterback, but we have seen it, haven't we, in the past where they've taken a player and sort of converted him, you know, cornerback yeah. to a wide receiver and um, stuff like that. But not likely, I don't think. Yeah, I I, I, I don't think so. I mean, you know, the, 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 the best story amongst the quarterbacks in the draft is Mackenzie Milton. Right. Which when people read the read the draft, they'll, they'll pre- read the draft guide, perhaps they'll understand his story coming back from... An extremely serious injury, yeah. But he's he's unfortunately not gonna not gonna get not gonna get drafted. But gra- a great story, yeah. Nice. We look him up. Running backs. Now this is the thing. This is very intriguing for me because we look as you say in a draft guide. We've got Aaron Jones. We've got AJ Dillon. Um, we've got Kylan Hill sit there. Um, you know Patrick Taylor. But it sort of it seemed to me at one point last year, Pete, that when some of the players were sort of picking up a knocker, you'd see Aaron Jones on the sideline and Dylan would be in there but wouldn't be getting much purchase sometimes. You know, depending. I was thinking, God, this room is stacked but also decimated with any type of entry to these two running backs. A concern? Yeah, I think that, I think it's very difficult, isn't it? Because when you've got two really fine running backs, either of which would be, you know, a number one, starter at any at any other team mm. um you feel like you're loaded don't you until one of them isn't playing yeah and then you feel like there's a big drop off yeah yeah and and, and, I, and i guess that drop off is partly because when you've got two such good ones the third guy the fourth guy they don't play very much yeah and even more so obviously with the with the kylan hill injury that you mentioned patrick taylor coming off the off the pra- practice squad and, and taylor's a nice back actually i i think that given the opportunity you know he could he could certainly develop into a very solid um, NFL running back, but but I think it's one of those positions for the Packers that that yeah I, I think you potentially look at a guy in round six or seven. You might not take one, but I think if one fell to you at six or seven, even though you've got the guys that we've just talked about, I don't think you're necessarily going to dismiss it. So I think there's absolutely 
um, possibilities that way down the draft, the Packers may pick one, yeah. And what are the top names to look for, even not even from a Packers perspective, but is there anyone in this that's a real wow back? Because I'm looking at the grades here, and there's only Brees Hall you have a sort of going in round between round one and two, so there doesn't seem to be a real sort of bell cow guy. And with that in mind, Pete, and to, to couple it up, as I always ask 10 questions at once, is that who are the names that stand out to you? But also, is there someone that's juicy enough here? You know, because we look at AJ Dillon and again, you know, you always said great back, took him a little bit early, potentially based on the sort of the, the way the draft fell and the draft yeah. value. But if you're going after the player you want, then happy days. It, it doesn't take away from the fact that he's still an amazing player. Is there any running back of that ilk in this? Because we do know that LaFleur always does this, you know, he sets up his his pass based on the run and we don't know who he's going to be passing to. And I'm sure people are listening to see who you're going to say for wide receiver and we will get there next. But for running backs, Pete, is there anybody with good hands that you might be able to sort of work into that hybrid role? Is there any good punt or kick returners that you might sort of go, you know what, let's, let's have a chance on them. What do you think? Yeah, so, I mean, you summed the group up nicely. This, this is almost a... a a typical running back group that we see now with one guy potentially going towards the end of the first round this year, it's, it's Brees Hall, but that's kind of the MO now when we get to drafts for, for running backs. I think the second guy on the list, Kenneth Walker of Michigan state is a really interesting guy because his 2021 season was incredible. Um, but, but he's one of those guys that's had, if you like just one incredible season after transferring from, from Wake Forest, where he was solid but not outstanding, and then and now has had a what's literally been an incredible, incredible season. Um, yeah, I mean, I think further down the draft, there, there's there's plenty of guys that have got a mixture of skills. I mean, I, I think the guy that I like late um, is Ty Chandler of North Carolina, hmm. and I and I think a part of that is because because he's a back to me that kind of fits um, the Packers outside zone running style, if you like. Mm. So, so Chandler's a, a patient runner who likes to run to the outside, which is a bit like Aaron Jones. Um, so he's that type of back, slightly bigger than Aaron Jones. The, the thing that he's got that neither Jones or Dylan has got is he's got four, three, eight speed. So, so, so if he, if he hits the hole, he's, he's gone. And, and I think that's the thing I like about, Chandler and he's been productive throughout his throughout his college college career a bit like Dylan in that he didn't catch a lot of passes in college but he's a he's a nice pass receiver um and return as experience returning returning kickoffs so he's a kind of do it all kind of back with that 438 speed so that's that's the guy that I like for the Packers if you like you know down in round six six or seven i'd certainly be looking at looking at him as a as a potential guy and we're starting to get into the really skills stuff. quarterbacks is always sort of hit or miss uh, when we start getting into running backs wide receivers tight ends there's always that idea and you know you and andy are always really good at this is is because you watch so much tape is seeing a guy who is somehow flying under the radar because we know the media gets carried away and they pick their names and then everyone recycles the same stuff whereas you guys were looking at it and you go oh do you know what keep an eye out for him now Typically, our third podcast in this series, we go offense, defense, and then sort of special teams slash sleepers slash movers. Um, but is there a few early names before the media catch on to them, Pete, in this running back group that you would say, no one's talking about him. He might not even get drafted, but keep an eye on him because he looks like he's a league quality back. Um, 
I'm not so sure about guys that wouldn't get drafted. I mean, I, I think that um, um, Damian Pierce of Florida, who's um, where is he on our list? So he's the sixth running back on on our list. So somewhere in the in the middle rounds, um, he's he's a different type of back in that he's he's small, um, stocky type of type of guy. He reminds me, and I'm showing my age now. The, the Giants had a running back in the in the 80s called Joe Morris, and he was kind of the first type of back who's who was like five foot eight, five foot nine. It's very tall, um, Peter. Uh, yeah, well. um, but he was he was a stocky kind of guy who seemed to disappear behind offensive linemen and then all of a sudden reappear out the other side of the line. And that's kind of who who Damian Pierce out of, out of um, Florida is. So I think that he's a guy that's likely to go. In, in the middle rounds, but you don't hear or see a lot of, t- of talk about him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, but, but I don't think, I just don't think those middle round guys are, are probably in play for the Packers unless, and unless, and we nothing to base this on the injury to Kylian Hill is worse than what we, what we know. And like I say, there's no reason to, to, to suspect, suspect that it is, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that that for me those those were the names that I would look at Damon Pierce in the in the middle rounds and Ty Chandler towards the towards the end of the draft. Well, look, we're going to get on to the meat and two veg part here. Is that a phrase? Uh, we're <laughs> going to get on to the wide receivers, Pete. And we know I, I'm chomping at the bit to hear, but in your draft guide, your first sentence for wide receivers is speed, speed, speed. <laughs> now yep. we look at ESB, uh, we looked at MVS, who was famous for it. You know, they're always seemingly on the lookout for the guy that can sort of rip the top off a of defense. It's even more valuable for the Packers to have some sort of guy in there now simply because Devontae Adams isn't. Everyone else is going to get an awful lot more of attention. So before we get into the wide receivers sort of in, in granular detail, um, we know, right, that Gulkunz is going to be looking at this position. Sammy Watkins literally just got signed. Yeah. Uh, you blindsided yeah. me with that. I didn't even see it uh, with that before the podcast. So he's got signed. So I guess we have to wrap this up in the analysis here as well. But... What is Gutekunst looking for in a wide receiver? You know, from from what who he's drafted between, you know, and again, we say drafted, or we, let's include the undrafted free agents who he picked up. We're looking at Alan Lazar. We're looking at MVS. And then the, the sort of Malik Taylors. We're looking at these really tall dudes yeah. who he's getting in, really fast guys. Is that working for Gutekunst? I mean, is that what he's still going to go for here? Is the RAS score still really important for him when he's looking at wide receivers, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that, I I I think they're going to start to move on from that. So so I still think they like those guys, and you absolutely you know, you, you describe them perfectly. MVS, EQ, Alan Lazard, they're all of those big, long striding guys. So we think of those guys having a lot of speed. You know, in particular MVS. Yeah, he does have a lot of speed, but he doesn't have a a huge explosion, if you like. That speed is long is long speed. So, so, he's, so he's faster than anybody else 30 yards down the field. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and that's typical, that's typical of the ghost, those guys that are like 6'4", because it takes a while for their, you know, for their legs to start, to start churning a bit, a bit like Usain Bolt almost. Yeah. You know, Usain Bolt may not be the fastest guy over 10 yards at the start of the 100 metres. By the time he's got to 50 metres, he's ahead of everybody and else. Smiling. And smiling, yeah. Started started walking by the seventieth meter, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, so so that's the thing with those those big guys. So so I think their natural inclination still is going to be towards towards that. But I think that this this draft, um, particularly at the front end of this draft, there are a whole bunch of different types 
of receivers. And, and, and I think if they want a skilled guy that's going to take what we call the top off of a defense, I able to go deep, um, but also be hugely productive. Then I think you're looking at one of the other guys, one of the guys that's six one or six foot rather than a six foot four or six foot five guy. Yeah. And the goodies looking at this draft now and like, you know, you look at the rounds that these guys are going to go in, you have to get to 35 before you get out of the six, seven round kind of thing. So yeah. it does look absolutely smashed full of players. Um, who do you think is on the Packers hit list? I mean, is, is this one where you feel that there's a guy so good that they'll package a pick and try and <laughs> move up? We see Chris Olave, always that name being bantied around. Drake London is another guy who's seen as sort of a guy who, well, what has he picked up an injury? So I think he's going to, he's going to fall down. Are any of those actual predictions realistic, Pete? Um, well, it's difficult to know what they're thinking, but for me, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be packaging these picks up to to move up for one of these guys. And and the reason I say that is, I don't think there's a significant amount of difference in terms of value amongst the top six guys. Yeah. So I think there are six that kind of stand out, um, and then there's another group of five or six, if you like, which which are also a standout a standout group. Um, but I, but I wouldn't see that one of them is so significantly better than anybody else in that top six that you would want to give up your other first round pick or even a second round pick to to move up to to get them. I think I think what's significant in this group is you, you've got different types of receivers. So so it goes back to your original question: is what is it that you're looking for in your receiver? Because if you're looking for a big guy. That's gonna that's gonna make the contested catch is a is a is a real end zone threat, you know, on high passes can can leap high, you know. Then you're looking at a Drake London type. Yeah. But but he, but he's probably going around pick 10, 11, that kind of, that kind of area. And if that's not the type of guy that you're looking for, if you if you're looking for a speed guy, that can dominate games, and, you know, those speed guys who are real threats that then open up the underneath stuff for you. And Jamison Williams is your guy. Now for me, Jamison Williams is the best wide receiver in this draft. Really? The, the, re the reason he isn't as high is because he, you know, he, he tore his ACL in the national championship game in January. Um, if that weren't, if that hadn't happened for me, he's the number one receiver in this guy and would be a sure top 10 pick in this draft. I, I have no, there's no question in my mind about that. And he's one of those players actually over the last couple of months that has been gradually moving back up my draft board as the news starts to come out that his recovery is ahead of schedule, et cetera, et cetera. Now you have to take some of that with a pinch of salt because you really don't know. Yeah. But for me, if Jamison Williams was there at 22, despite the fact he's recovering from his ACL injury, I would run the card up myself to pick it. Um, and <laughs> even what his, speed would you run it up? Well, I I mean, could you get drafted just, yourself with that speed? Was, now, do you think? I, I was probably not. I was going to say, even with his ACL injury, and if he's still in, in crutches, <laughs> he'd probably get up there quicker than me. But um, <laughs> hand the card to him and get him to give it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that's the guy that. So he didn't test at the combine his pro day, obviously, because of the recovery from the injury. But that's a guy that's probably running in the four point two somethings, mm. if without without the injury. It's incredible. Yeah, and and yeah, I mean, I, I think I think he's I think he's exceptional. I think if you, if he were there at twenty two, like I say, he would be my pick my pick for the Packers. Now the the other guys that you that that you that you mentioned, we just talked touched on Drake London. 
uh, Chris Olave of Ohio State. Um, so you've got the two Ohio State receivers, Garrett Wilson and, and, and Olave. Um, there's not huge amounts to choose between those two guys. I think that Wilson has been slightly more productive and probably gives you more all over the field. So it's a great route runner um, and will give you yards after the catch, which Alave hasn't done in college. But in fairness, hasn't been asked to do a lot of that type of stuff in college. Yeah. So you, so you have to you have to bear bear that in mind. But I think any of those guys that are sitting there at 22, certainly those four names that we've that we've mentioned there, absolutely, absolutely, they they would all be great value for the Packers there. And I think that Jamison Williams is huge value at 22. Yeah. So if he comes in, he's going to be like uh, Creed Humphrey for you if they drafted him. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. What doing. Absolutely. And and. If you were to pick Jameson Williams at 22, and we know he's recovering from this ACL, and, and very hopeful he's going to be ready to go by training camp, but we don't, but we don't know, and that still may t- take some time to get back up to game speed. Picking him at 22 may dictate that they still take another one. Do you think so? Yeah. yeah. Even with Sammy Watkins. Even with Sammy Watkins. Mm. So it may not be with the 28th pick. It may be with one of those two second-round picks, um, but. But I absolutely think if Williams is that pick, that they probably take another receiver early. So we know Jameson Williams has Pete topless, right? <laughs> and from one to four is Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Jameson Williams, and Chris Olave. Which Olave? Yep. Olave? No, I had to say Olave. I said Olave. I'm, yep. I'm going to say Olave, and then I'm going to edit that into my other one. No, I won't. I'll, I'll appear clueless. It's fine. Uh, so from five downwards, so we've got Traylon yep. Burks. Uh, yep. I'm going to say all of these wrong. Jahan Dotson, yeah. Christian yeah. Watson. Uh, Pete, that's a massive one that keeps coming out. Christian Watson, I've yep. sort of seen as people. Why are people so obsessed with this guy? And is he the real deal? Is he another guy that we could select in the first round that you would say, job well done? Yeah, I, I think that I think that Watson's really intriguing. So he's he's that guy that up until, you know, a month ago was sitting at second or third round level for lots of, for lots of people. Mm. And then as they've gone to look at him and read more about him, you know, you suddenly, like you say, you see him appearing in more and more discussions and, and, and further up people's drafts. And, and, and a lot of that is because of his size. You know, you've got a guy that's 6'4", 6'5", um, 210 pounds-ish. Um, so, so, so he's closer to the mold of one of those Packers receivers that you mentioned, that you mentioned earlier. And I think for Packers observers, they see that mold of receiver and think, who's the guy in this list that fits closest to that mold? Hmm. And it's Christian Watson because he's six, five, two, 10. Let's call that those, his numbers with 4.3 something speed. Animal. Um, you know, so, so while you've got the Drake London's and the Traylon Burks's who are big, big bodied guys, um, you know, Traylon Burks is like six, three, two or two thirty. He's a, he's a big, big guy yeah but he's a he's a 4.55 40 runner so he's giving you something completely different to what to what watson would give you yeah i think people are falling in love with watson he's a good football player obviously but but also because he's very close to that packers mold that you talked about earlier yeah so again you know if you haven't taken a receiver at 22 could the packers take watson at 28 absolutely absolutely they could and that no issue with that whatsoever could Watson fall to the Packers at 53? Absolutely, he could as well. So, so he's one of those guys whose range of picks could be anywhere from the late 20s to 55. 
Nobody knows. Nobody yeah. knows. And what other names, Pete, on this list sort of we look at? Because again, it's always those top names that get sort of bantied around. What's the value like then in the later rounds? And is there sort of buzz names that Packer fans need to look out for and say, okay, if we do get that guy, they don't know who he is, but it's still, it looks like they've made a great pick there. Yeah, I mean, I think we've, we've skipped over a couple of names early and we probably should mention just because they fall into the Packers' range of picks. So they could be the guy. Traylon Burks, I mentioned, big guy over the middle, makes lots of yards after the catch, makes a lot of contested catches. So big, big receiver. Jahan Dotson, almost almost the opposite. Probably a slot guy in the NFL, fast, quick feet. So that, that, that would be those two. I think in the second round group, there's so many intriguing names. We've already talked about Watson. You could make a case for any of these other guys. George Pickens of, of Georgia. So he's one of, he's one of those guys that his freshman year was absolutely fantastic. Has never been quite as good as he was two years ago. Did an ACL in the spring. Yeah. So only came back towards the end of the 2021 season, which is why he probably falls down the draft, but but therefore he's a guy that you could get great value for at the end of the second round or even further down if he were to fall further. So I'm mentioning these names because any of them could end up with the Packers. Yeah. John Metch is another guy, probably a slot guy in the, in the NFL from Alabama. Another Alabama receiver like Jamison Williams, who did his ACL at the end of the 2021 season, unfortunately. Talked about two years ago as being a first-round draft pick. Oof. Slipped down boards because of the injury, etc., because he's playing behind Jerry Judy and some of those other, other guys that were there at Alabama. But a lot of talent. And so, again... If he's there in round two or round three and you pick him, yeah, you know, that's that's absolutely, absolutely fantastic. So there's so many names in that gr- group of 12. But if you look beyond the first two, probably Garrett Wilson and Drake London, because they're probably long since gone before the Packers pick. Mm. And then look at our list of the next nine guys. Any of those guys could be picked in the first or second or, the, or second round. Um, Sky Moore of Western Michigan reminds me a lot of Greg Jennings, well, partly because Jennings went to went to Western Michigan. You know, he could be the Packers pick in the in the second round. So there's so there's loads and loads of those guys early. So I think this is an excellent year to a be wanting wide receivers mm. and b to have those four picks in the first in the first two rounds. So we've seen Rich Basaccia come out and, you know, he he's talking a big game. We saw Mike Pettin do that before him for the defense, you know, and this and Mo Drayton was coming out and saying, oh, God, it's all about accountability and all this. So we seem to have more of a veteran presence, a guy who was up for coach of the year after he stepped in from Gruden and everything else. So there's a big, big focus on special teams. Out of these running backs and wide receivers, uh, Pete, is there any sort of gadget guy that you see and go, do you know what, later in the round or maybe even early, that that's the guy to go for because he will absolutely shore up that position? So I think that, yeah, Jameson Williams has got a a, a big background in returning kickoffs, but he's not going to do that job in the the NFL if he's your number one receiver. Yeah. I think further down the draft, so there's a couple of guys that I think can do as you've described, gadget-type roles. They can, the wide receivers, they can line up in the slot. They can return punts, return kicks. So Velas Jones of Tennessee, who I think is number 19 on our list of wide wide receivers, yep. um, did all of those things um, in college at USC and at, and, at, and at Tennessee. Didn't have huge, huge production, 
you know, had two, just over 200 catches in four years in college. So, you know, kind of 50 catches a year. Yeah. But does all of those things that you want and has 4.31 speed, 4.31. Um, so, you know, he, he's absolutely a name that you wouldn't be surprised to see the, the Packers pick up later in the draft. I don't know how the Packers feel about age of draftees because he's one of the oldest players in the draft. He's going to be 25 soon, which is quite un- unusual. Mm. But then you have to look at that and say, is that really an issue? That speed at 25 as well. Oh, my God, that's freakish, I isn't it? I, I know. Um, so it absolutely wouldn't surprise me you know, if, if, his, if his name came up. I think the other one um, just... I think he's just a couple of slots behind Velas Jones on our on our list is Tyquan Thornton of, of Baylor, um, and part of that again is you've got a tall guy, six foot six foot two, really slim body, four point two eight forty speed. Oof. So, you know, mainly a receiver has done a little bit of little bit of returning, but you know when you've got that speed you're not necessarily looking for a guy that's going to catch a hundred passes a year with that level of speed. What you're hoping for is that, is that, is that a, yeah, obviously he makes his plays, but B he opens enough stuff up underneath yeah. for your, for your, for the Alan Lazards, for the Cobbs, et cetera, of, of this world. And, and he would certainly give you that. And, and he would give you that quite a way down the draft. Yeah. Incredible God. You just imagine Goody looking at these guys with the speed, not knowing what to do with himself. Uh, just locking himself in the room. And, and I think that's that's the thing, as you mentioned right at the top of this when we talk, started on wide receivers, it is speed, speed, speed. Yeah. Um, I think there was a record number of, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but there was a record number of players that ran under 4-4 and a record number that ran under 4-3 in this draft. And a huge number of them were wide receivers. Yeah. Well, we're going to get on to sort of uh, like-minded players and something that the Packers have tried to hit on a tight end for, I don't know how yeah. long now. Now, Tonyan, great. Tonyan, we should say. Uh, great. But then that injury and, you know, I don't think he's built up enough tape for me anyway, Pete, to sort of go, okay, we can rely on him. Now, I'm, I'm massively high on him. Don't get me wrong. I love yeah. the guy. Uh, but it's just with those injuries and stuff. And then, there was a there was a stage where he was healthy, but he actually wasn't targeted. And then you kind of think, well, is that all going to change then when Adam's gone? And there's a, there's a lot of talking points there. So when we look at tight ends um, on your draft guide, again, it's they're a bit of a weird one, aren't they? You don't yeah. typically see them go in the first round. It's usually second and onwards. And again, over the list of like 33 that you have, one you get to say 16, 17, and they start hitting the like seventh or undrafted free agent territory. But a guy that really stood out for me, and this is a shocker for me, because again, I picked like one guy a year, is Jelani Woods, and that's because he's like the biggest guy in the world. You know, he's a guy who, you know, I, I can't even get my head around just how big he is. Now, again, you look at his speed as well in the tight end class. You know, he's not too shabby either, uh, Pete. But when it comes to tight ends, what do you think the philosophy is for the Packers when they look at, you know, the guys that they have and what they expected or tight end, Pete? He's going to come in, he's going to be effectively another lineman and all that kind of stuff. I mean, when taking all of that into consideration, what's their strategy and who are the names to look out for? Yeah, so I don't. I, I this is going to sound sound weird. I don't think they have a single philosophy of the tight end because I don't think they look at the tight end position as one entity. Yeah. So I think they look at it as three entities. So I think they look at the Mercedes Lewis type, who is eighty percent blocker, twenty percent receiver at this stage of his career, and and Lafleur likes that type of tight end in his offense. So I think they look at that type of guy. I think they look at the H-back type, like Josiah Deguara, who's 
a lot smaller, but has speed, can block a little bit, but is mainly a, re a receiver, perhaps lining up in the backfield sometimes, perhaps lining up in the slot, etc. And then I think there's your more tra traditional, almost a, almost a Bobby Tunyon type, who's who's a decent blocker, but but is more of a receiver than a blocker, which is what I th think they were getting or hoping to get with Jay Sternberger three yeah, or four yeah. years ago when whenever he was drafted. And I think you're absolutely right. I think this is a position where the Packers are living year to year. Mm. And it's been unfortunate with the injury to, to Tunyon, but we, you summed it up spot on. We don't know where we are with, with him. He's had one outstanding season and it was really good. We really, we really like him, but, but, but is he going to ever be a 60 catch a season guy? Is, is, is he the next, I you know, don't want to even throw the names out there, but I will. Is he, is he George Kittle? Is he Zach Ertz? Is he those types? No, he's probably not. Which is not wild of you to say, by the way, because he did get Kittle sort of uh, numbers when he had that outstanding year. He was tied yeah. as the best tight end in the league. So again, it's not that crazy, but I know what you mean. I mean, the, those guys seem like on a different plane, don't they? Yeah, and and it, and it's looking at it. Is it is it's not just one season, is it? Is it is he a guy or any of the guys that are going to catch sixty passes a season for the next five years? Yeah. And that's the question. That's why I think the Packers, you know, um, Tunyon's got another one-year deal. And, I, and, you know, the injury obviously plays into that. But I, but I think that it is a position of flux where they've been trying to find the next guy but can't quite find the next guy. Poster Michael Finley has been tough, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, it's been it, long. It really has. And, you know, and one of the knocks, if you like, on Aaron Rodgers was that he doesn't use his tight ends very much. Yeah. But you can turn that around the other way, can't you? And say, well, if those tight ends haven't been getting open, et cetera, mm. et cetera, then you're not going to use them very much. Yeah, so, and, so it's and you look a bit at the, of a chicken and egg there. Yeah, and you look at where they roam in the field in the middle, and there's sort of this sort of I don't know whether it's just a narrative now at this point is that Rodgers doesn't like the middle of the field. He doesn't target yeah. as the biggest risk area, so he's not going to target there. So that's why the tight ends don't get a look. But when you have some of these guys, Pete, who are really big, big, big-bodied guys, if they have that speed, do you think that they could tempt the Packers to go early with tight end, or do you think that it's not really on their radar? Because I mean, you mentioned Tanya and Mercedes Lewis like has a role simply for that, as you said. 80% blocking Josiah Deguara with that injury they, we really don't know what we have there but like you said yeah. he fits that kind of third prototype do they wait and see how he is or is there someone so outstanding in this draft that they go do you know what we have to have him because we could have actually hit it on the head this time so so I think that I don't think there's anybody outstanding that says I've got to go and get this guy but what I do think is that there are a lot of players that are likely to fall into the areas where the Packers pick and um, you know, even Trey McBride, who, who's the first tight end on our list, probably a second round pick. But if he's there at 28, you could consider him. Really? I, I, would, I wouldn't take him just partly because of the position. So I think that you're probably more likely to get more value. But, it, but it'd be one of those safe picks, if you like. Yeah. Because you're, you're going to get a solid, you're going to get a solid, a solid player. For me, the guy that I really like, when you look at, his physical attributes and where he's probably going to go in the draft is the guy that you've picked out, Jelani Woods. Um, you know, six foot six and a half, two six, two two sixty, four four point six one forty. You know, certainly on paper he's got, you know, he's got he's got everything. Solid tight end at Oklahoma State, transferred to Virginia for his senior year. 
was that was his best year. So he's a guy that's improving, if you like, year on year, which is another thing that you like to see because you imagine that, that 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 gives him some upside. But I think when you just look at that athletic prowess that he's got, speed, length, can catch and block. So so he's an all so he's an all round tight end that, that you're probably going to be able to pick up in the round three, maybe. Um, I think you've picked out absolutely the the guy that fits right into the value slot, if you like, for if you like for the Packers. Yeah. Um, I would be really surprised if they didn't come away with a tight end somewhere in the middle rounds. And, and by the middle rounds, I, I guess I mean from three to five, that kind of that kind of area. Um, and I think it's just simply going to be about who else is available at the time they pick at different positions. You know, so they get to the third round, for example, and maybe they haven't taken two wide receivers, but one of those others that we talked about has dropped and a wide receiver's there and Woods is there. You could understand them going for that wide receiver that's dropped. Yeah. Or you could understand them taking Woods because that's a position of of, of, of need. So either of those picks would be a good pick. So I think it's it's just about what happens at the point when you get to that third round pick and fourth round pick, who have I already taken? Have I not taken an offensive lineman, for example, that I need to go look at? So, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that Jelani Woods is right, is right in that slot for the, for the Packers. And like I say, I think that just above him on our list, the other tight end that I like is as I likely out of coastal Carolina, which means that he didn't get a lot of, um, notice if you like or less notice than than some other players simply because of where he where he played so he wasn't a big school wasn't an, an Alabama or a Michigan or a Wisconsin um, for me likely is the best receiving tight end in the draft so, so so if you're looking for a guy who's who's main 80% receiver 20% blocker if you like the other way around from Mercedes Lewis <laughs> then Isaiah likely could be that guy and again, he's in that same kind of region as, as Woods in terms of where he's likely to go in the draft. Yeah, like you said, I mean, big guy, tall guy, not the fastest guy though, right? So yeah. you're sort of depending on his hands yeah. um, in that. And again, I sound like an expert. All I'm doing, looking at Peter Jones's draft guide. Uh, so look, I guess at this point, before we get into, and I know it's a long podcast, but again, really fascinating stuff to get actual concrete names of who to look out for. We're going to get on to interior offensive linemen and offensive tackles. Um, but Pete, what do you think the, the draft strategy is? Because, you know, we're talking about these offensive players and we're talking about like running backs not likely. We're talking tight end maybe in the third round. So when you look at the Packers picks then, can you sort of predict or what's your gut feeling then? Because we've two first round picks, two second round picks, third, two fourth round, fifth and three seventh round picks. So when you look at that, what are we looking at with this with this thing? We we saw before it was allegedly wide receiver and then whatever. But what do you see this going that, you know, there's four picks before that third round pick where you could see going tight end. In those first four, you obviously see wide receiver maybe in two of those potentially. But where's your head at? Yeah, so, so, so if you were in a kind of an ideal world situation and we don't know who's actually going to be there when they pick and what might happen, yeah. you know, I, 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 could, I could easily envisage the Packers coming out of those first four picks, two first rounders, two second rounders, with two wide receivers, an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman. Yeah. That would be kind of almost my ideal 
yeah. scenario. For the Packers' needs, but is, is that where the value sits in this draft, do you think? Is there is there no defensive player that would cause the Packers to say, right, let's put a stop on one of those wide receivers. This guy's a beast. I think only if a guy that you didn't expect to drop, dropped. Yeah. So I, I don't expect a guy to be there, say at 22, that would make me turn away from Jamison Williams. But if one of your top 10 guys dropped and was there at 22, you would have to, you would have to consider it. Mm. So the, the only one that could potentially drop, and he wouldn't drop to, to 22 anyway, who could drop a few spots is Kyle Hamilton, the safety uh, out of Notre Dame. And the reason I say that, and I know we're doing defense on the next one, but is a, the safety position typically isn't valued. So although he's in my top five players, it typically isn't valued. I think the other thing is, is about the scheme that he plays in. So he's a six, four safety. So it's another one of those guys that takes a bit of time to get up to speed. Yeah. So, so if you're looking for a pure speed guy, you know, 10 yards of speed, he's not your guy. And so, you know, he could drop a few places, but I don't think he's going to drop to 22. Yeah. Um, and I think that, well, I know we're going to talk defense next week. I think the Packers are always looking for defensive linemen. And there's a couple of those guys that are in the 15 area in this draft that could be there. Yeah. Jordan, Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, they could be there early 20s. And I think that would may make the Packers rethink who they were going to take at, at, at 22. But I think that ideal world for me, assuming, you know, the, the player values are all equal, et cetera, is two wide receivers, a defensive lineman and an offensive lineman. Yeah. And I think it's, it's important to discuss because we can get into this and we can put grades and all that kind of stuff. But if the strategy isn't there, because, you know, there is that argument that when the Jordan Love pick came up and then they reached for DeGuara and they reached for AJ Dillon and it kind of got out of hand until it got to the later rounds and they're still scrambling is that that could happen. But you Mm. mentioned that one of those players in that top four would be an offensive lineman. Um, And in your draft guide, you have them split into interior uh, offensive linemen and offensive tackles. Uh, Arguably, the biggest position of need, you know, and and you mentioned this in your draft, is looking at that David Bakhtiari injury, seeing the importance of the position, kind of worrying about what's going to happen there. But we have been, and as always has been, since we've been fans of the Packers, is that they've always sort of put a premium on offensive linemen if they can get one. What's this draft looking like for O-linemen? And uh, I don't know, it's up to you, Pete, if you want to couple the interior with the offensive tackles and talk sure. about them as a group or whether you just sort of want to single them out if they're if they're worth singling out. Because the Packers like those sort of Swiss Army knife guys as well. Is there is there one of those players? Is there another obsession player as well in this draft? <laughs> yeah, that... I, I, I think that... Um, so you're, so you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the Packers' offensive tackle position is... You can see that in a couple of ways, can't you? You can see, actually, I feel really solid with Bakhtiari and Josh Nyman, who was, who was really good at left tackle last year, coming in at right tackle, and that could look really solid. Or it could go totally the other way. Bakhtiari doesn't fully return from his injury. Yeah. Josh Nyman, who's been playing at left tackle, comes to right tackle. He's still a young player, doesn't play as well. And all of a sudden, you've got problems at both spots. So it could be anywhere in between those, those two things. So I think that Offensive tackle is going to be a position that the Packers look at. There's a number of those guys um, in this draft. This is a typical offensive tackle draft where five or six could go in the first round. So, you, so for the Packers, you start to look at who, who the fourth, fifth, sixth offensive tackles are in this draft. Um, the likes of Trevor Penning of Northern Iowa, 
Um, who else? The guys, there's a couple of guys at Central Michigan. But for me, and and you just again hit the nail on the head with those Swiss Army knife type guys. Um, Zion Johnson of Boston College. Yeah. Right. So, so so this is a guy who's 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 basically a guard, and has started working out at centre. Now, you might say that's not a huge position of need for the Packers, and I would kind of agree. Um, but look at it this way: if Elton Jenkins were to move to tackle, and we, and we still don't know, you know, he's injured. We don't know when he's coming back, but his eventual position might be left tackle. It might be it might be right tackle. Um, Zion Johnson of Boston College is a similar type of player. Um, to Elton Jenkins, not quite as tall. I think Jenkins is 6'4", Zion Johnson's 6'3", but yeah. guard, center, has spent a little bit of time at tackle. So he's a guy that could fill in at tackle, but he doesn't really have tackle size. But as a, as a, as a guard and center, if he was there at 22, he wouldn't be my first choice because I want one of those wide receivers. I want Jameson Williams. But if the Packers walked away with Johnson at 22, you would say that's about the right value. Yeah. If he were there at 28, that would be excellent value. Um, so so it would be one of those guys where you'd almost be disappointed if they took him at 22, just because you want one of those receivers. We want a highlight guy, but he'd be a really solid pick in those in those in those 20 picks. So 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 for me, Zion Johnson of Boston College is the the premium offensive lineman that fits where the Packers are picking, if you like. Mm. You know, there's, there's a couple, two or three guys that are going to go in the top 10. We just forget those guys. The Evan Neals of this world, long since gone before the Packers pick. Um, but, but Zeon Johnson is that kind of guy in the, towards the end of the first round that's kind of your excellent guard who can play other positions as well. You know, and not too far behind him, but probably second, third round-ish. Dylan Parham of Memphis, very similar type size player has played guard center tackle. So fits that mold as you described as Packers offensive lineman that can play um, mul- multiple roles. Yeah. And so your thinking then is, is that definitely try go for one of those wide receivers with the first, first round pick. And with the second round pick, it could be worth one of these um, offensive linemen. Yeah. I, I think, I think the only thing that would throw me off taking the wide receiver at 22 would be, if only two of them have been taken by that time. Mm. So if we talk, you know, say this, there are those six that run from Wilson to, to Jahan Dotson, the six that, if you like, are kind of first round guys. And you get to 22 and only two of those are gone. So there's four still left on the board at that point that you think these are first round guys. Then you might consider, I won't take one at 22. I'll look somewhere else and then come back at, at 28. You run the risk. Obviously, you run the risk that there's a sudden run on them and they've all gone by the time you pick at 28. But I think because you're so deep in receivers this year, you could get a, 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 perhaps a Christian Watson or a Pickens at 28, or you can draw, or you can trade down and get a Watson or a Pickens at 35, or you can take another position at 28 and start to think about, do I want to move up from 53 and those second round picks to, to, to the 40 level? and get one of those guys there. So I think there's so much flexibility at wide receiver because there's so many of them. Yeah. 
So when we look at offensive linemen then, you've mentioned a couple of guys there, the Swiss Army guys. Um, what about offensive tackles? Is there anybody that sort of stands out to you? And taking that in mind then, when we look at Bakhtiari's contract and how it's structured and yeah. the injury that he's had and the perceived... Um, I don't know what to, how to even phrase it, but like he came back and then he sort of was out again mysteriously. Yeah. And there was that criticism of should they put nine men in at that position and that all went pear-shaped, you know. And it's a talking point for, you know, a history podcast, let's say. So when you look at this offensive tackles, is there anybody here, and bearing in mind where David Bakhtiari was actually drafted as well, that there yeah. tends to be better value sort of further down yeah. the picks as well. And the Packers have historically been brilliant at getting offensive linemen up to speed. Is there anyone on the tackles list where you go, do you know what? If it does go sideways with Bakhtiari, this guy... Now, again, I, th- I say this with a caveat. Bakhtiari is the mm-hmm. best graded left yeah. tackle in the game, right? So we're not going to replace him very easily, but they did a, a, a stellar job when he was injured. Anybody in this draft, Pete, did you look at and go, do you know what? Be happy with that. Yeah, so there's quite a few quite a few points that you, that you raised there. And just before I do that, I want to I give you another name of a, an interior guy somewhere in the middle rounds who again fits the mould. Zach Zach Tom of Wake Forest, and he fits the mold because he's played centre guard and tackle. Yeah. So, so he's a guy that that even if he doesn't ever become an NFL starter, is the guy is the guy that's going to back up multiple positions for you for a middle for a middle round pick. So, just just another name to bear in mind. But you're spot on with the offensive tackles, and every year we come into the draft with five or six that look like first first round picks, and usually because such a premium is put on them. That you, you you get a couple, don't you? Going in the top five, or maybe three in the top ten, and this this draft is exactly the same. But you have to be careful with them because we also look to the last couple of years, and I think two years ago it was Mackay Beckton of the Jets, yeah, and last year um, Panay Sewell who went to the Lions. Now I know there's been injuries and stuff with those guys and whatever else, but neither of them yet is a superstar, yeah, by any stretch of the imagination. So I think that's a warning for everybody is that no matter how high you're picking and, and how good a guy looks in college, there's no certainty that they're going to be, you know, the next coming of David Bakhtiari. It's a caveat um, though as well, Pete, isn't it? That like, I mean, if you're a team that has to pick a left tackle because your quarterback is finding himself on his arse most of the time, the worst thing is, is to try burn up that first round pick very high to go get the guy who's going to start straight away. There's a lot to be said for coming in and being a rotational guy, right? Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely, and there's and 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 you just have to be careful that so so you know, I, I guess we're describing the Jags here with the number one overall pick. They've got their quarterback. We don't know how that's going to turn out, but on the face of it, you know, they've got their quarterback. I really like Trevor Lawrence, by the way. Um, but you know, there's all this talk about well, do they now need to go out and tackle or get a tackle to to protect him? And a lot of sense in that, yeah. providing with that number one overall pick, you're taking a player who's worth the number one overall pick. Don't reach for a guy just because that's a position that you need to fill. Because guess what? I can trade down from number one if I have to, uh, uh, and still get one of the and still get one of those guys. Um, not that I think Jacksonville will get will go for a tackle. By the way, I think Aiden Hutchinson will be the first guy selected in yeah. the in the draft. But but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's, it's about it's about the value and being being really careful if you like that you don't start to see something that isn't quite there just because yeah. you want it to because you want it to be there you know <laughs> we all do Pete every <laughs> yeah, walks alive buddy ab- ab- absolutely so tackles yeah I think where the Packers are picking I, I mentioned Trevor Penning of Northern Iowa now he's six six for eight and wow. he's a he's a you know he's just a behemoth of a man and, a, and actually although he's played left tackle in college 
I think probably is as much a right tackle as, as left tackle because of it because of his size. So so typically on the right side, as opposed to you know your left side is protecting your, your your blind side of your of your of your quarterback, typically up against the top edge rusher from the opposition. Your right tackles are typically bigger, bulkier run blocker types. You still want them to obviously to be able to pass block, but so so I think that Penning um, fits as much possibly at right tackle as as left tackle. But he's a guy that could be there when the Packers pick. So he's another one of those guys that I don't think he's going to excite people because again we want a Jamison Williams or somebody that's going to you know have a thousand yards receiving at twenty yards a catch and is going to have sixteen touchdowns and all that all of that good stuff. But he would be a very nice pick at twenty two or twenty eight. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be a guy that potentially could be a, a you know a tackle in the NFL for twelve for twelve years. The danger the Packers have got, of course, they may not need it. We just, as we said at the start of this, we just don't know what that tackle position looks like um, go, going forwards as such. You know, and throwing out another name in the same kind of area, um, Kenyon Green of Texas A&M, end of first, early second round pick, um, and as a guy who may kick inside to guard. So the Packers have a history of picking tackles that, that they move inside to guard. Yeah. But very often those guys are later in the draft. Um, so, you know, you pick a six round guy like, like John, John Runyon, for example, who played tackle in college, but always was going to look like a guard in the NFL because his arms were a little bit shorter than you would hope for in a tackle, et cetera, et cetera. So the Packers have a history of doing that. They just don't have a history of doing it early and that's because most teams put a premium on the offensive tackle position so I'm if I want a guy that can play tackle I'm going to take a guy that's typically played tackle Kenyon Green is a little bit of a uh, a guy that can play tackle and guard so again if he were a pick at 28 wouldn't wouldn't grumble at all whatsoever very nice pick at 28 starts to secure that future on on the offensive line and as we often say, you can never have enough of those offensive linemen. Yeah, because, I mean, when we talk about O-linemen, and that's one thing that you mentioned in Kenyon Green's profile, is that he's a better run blocker than he is with pass protection. And that's an important thing to consider too, isn't it, Pete? Because you look at Aaron Rodgers, and as you said, is it one year, is it two years, is it five years? We don't know. Um, and you look at the, the pedigree that we have at running back, and you sort of wonder, with Devontae gone, do they just instinctively lean on the run more? Um, and is that part of the plan? You know, are they sort of saying we're going to become a run first team as crazy as it sounds with Aaron Rodgers, but we want to try and make the transition for whoever comes in a quarterback to make that transition easier. And do they take into consideration the offensive line as well when they look at that type of thing? So they plan ahead, even with the guys they get there and Kenyon Green maybe suits that sort of mold. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a great question because, because you always have to, and I think this is a, a, a really great, general point for for the draft is that you hope to be in a position where the guys that I draft don't have to be starters in year one yeah that's the position you want to be in I'm not drafting to fill to tomorrow today's hole I'm drafting to fill tomorrow's hole or two years times hole because what 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 I'm getting is a player out of college particularly when I pick at 22 or 28 in the draft I'm not picking in the top five is I'm getting a guy that by definition may have a flaw here and a flaw there. Yeah. So I want to have time to de develop, develop that guy. So I think absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's why I never have a problem 
and certainly won't this year, if they took one of those offensive linemen at, say, tw- at say 28, even if he didn't start this coming year, say they took a tackle, and as it turns out, Bakhtiari and Josh Nyman are, are absolutely fantastic in, in 2022. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Because that other guy is going to learn, is going to learn the job. Who knows where Bakhtiari is going to be in a year's time or two years' time? Who knows what happens with injuries? Is he a guy that I can temporarily play inside at guard, for example? You know, he might be an outstanding tackle. But he might be a really good guard as well, like Kenyon Green, who's a guy that can learn the ropes at guard and then perhaps move out to tackle. So I think, I, I think it's a great position to be in. But I think that those points that you raise are. are are just so are just so spot on when you're drafting in the 20s you know unless it's one of those skill position guys you're picking a guy for tomorrow aren't you not for today yeah which which is hard for a lot of fans to take and when you look at it initially sometimes it's a head scratcher we looked at AJ Dillon was like really you know we Jamal Williams in there we'd Aaron Jones in there and people sort of thought Jesus I mean you know go for wide receiver there was expletive ridden rants uh, you know put out by people online and then it sort of comes good in the end and everyone deletes their tweets and sort of pretends that uh, <laughs> they knew what was going to happen look we've ran through the offense Pete and again I'll stress and we've this is what we're doing this podcast we're talking about your draft guy which is absolutely outstanding um, so we've ran through the offense and we know that, you, you know, out of your first four or five picks, you're looking at potentially three of those being on offense. So is there anything else then you want to say to sort of round out this episode on offense about what strategy that you think they'll take, what you hope they will take, or how you could see this going better or worse than you could have predicted based on sort of what falls down on the night b- sure. between a run on receivers or anything of the sort? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I would like to see the Packers stay with their two first round picks or, or at the very least not try and join them together to move up. Right. So I, so I want them to come out of the first round with, with two future starters. Right. Now I wouldn't be uncomfortable as we've talked about, if they were to trade down from 28 to say 35, because I think you can still get, starting value receivers in particular at 35 or even 40 and pick up another pick. I absolutely have no, no issue with that whatsoever. My biggest issue would be if, if they somehow going back to almost where we started, saw a player at pick 10 and and wanted to bundle up a bunch of picks to get that player that, that I wouldn't like. Now that's just, that's just an opinion. (laughs) And, and if it happened, you know, we trust we trust in we trust in in what they do, and we might be proved completely wrong anyway. But I would prefer to see them come out of the first two rounds with four with four players. That that's that's my ideal. And like I said, in an ideal world, couple of receivers, an offensive lineman, and and a, and a defensive lineman. But I have no problem if they were to trade pick twenty eight back to the forties, pick up an extra third or second rounder. You know, if they pick, even if they picked up an extra third rounder for doing that. Um, you know, you would you would then potentially end up with six picks in the first two rounds, mm. and you could get a lot of players, particularly in this draft, um, for that for those picks with with strength at the positions where you want, like wide receiver, like offensive line, like tight end, because tight end once you get to the third and fourth round, there's good great value in there, like the Jelani Woods that we talked about. So, yeah, that's what I would that's what I would like to see. And the only thing that make up for Creed Humphrey is the Jameson Williams pick, do you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I think we all, at some point, 
when we look at when we look at draft, there's a player that for whatever reason that we just we get a draft crush on, don't we? Yeah. And, and for me, and for me this year, there's 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 two players. Oh, go on, Jameson Williams. Who else? Jameson Williams. The other one's a defensive player, um, but I, we'll talk about him next week. But I mention his name now. His name is Marcus Jones. He's a cornerback out of Houston. Um, and the reason I I really like him is not so much at a corner, but he's probably the best return guy, punt and kick returns to come out in a decade. Oof. So it's a small guy, five eight, five five nine. So it doesn't oh, big, fit yeah, your, big. Yeah, doesn't, oh. <laughs> wow. doesn't fit your mould of corners that the Packers would look for. But as a return guy, somewhere in the middle middle rounds of the draft, he's my second draft crush. I'm not going to lie. When you said you two, I thought you were going to say Jameson Williams and Wameson Gilliams. <laughs> <laughs> Wide receiver out of Alabama, you know. Uh, amazing. Look, Pete, the draft guide again, I can't, um, I can't talk about it enough. If you're not, a, if you're, look, if you're not a big college guy, I'm not a big college guy, but the draft guide is something to look out for because it cuts through the BS um, and Peter spends an awful lot of time doing it. Breaks down all the draft goods. You can read about who you want. If you're big into the draft, it's it's it'll put you to shame. If you're not big into the draft, it'll help guide you. Download the goddamn draft and follow at IT Hedgehog as well on Twitter. Peter is always a good follow. Um, and, you know, deserve all the plaudits you get, P, for this because we're lucky enough that we are the vehicle that you go and promote this thing um, through. I'm very grateful for it. The podcasts are always a blast. So, I guess, look, the next one is next week and we're going to focus on defense. And then after that, then there'll kind of be just a general mopping up. We'll talk about special teams, which, again, you know, is a, is a big buzzword for, for the Packers. And we go through some of the risers and fallers and any news that we have to suck up yeah. from from there as well. But look, Pete, um, I'd say this on behalf of so many people that have contacted the UK Packers, both in DMs, both publicly, and hopefully you've seen an awful lot of that sort of applause yourself. The draft guide is absolutely second to none. You wipe the floor with all of the the sort of deemed pay guys, the you know guys who are more experienced, and it's free, which is absolutely incredible. So again, a massive, massive thank you from from us and you're one of us you're here at the UK Pack is absolutely integral but also from the fan base we're very very lucky to have you well thank you and 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 there are some other fantastic guides out there so I so I just I just want to say thanks to everybody that's fed back because that's what makes it worthwhile to know that people are are reading it and and, and appreciate it and downloading it and and everything and those comments back have, have been fantastic so yeah and 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 thank you Steve for kind of guiding us guiding us through this and we look forward to um talking about defense next week oh i can't wait I can't, jameson williams's name will somehow work its way in there uh, we got an email at uk packers to say that our uh our website traffic was uh way above normal which makes absolute sense so to add it hedgehog from us at uk packers and that's ddd nfl uh, we'll talk to you next week for all things defense go pack go go pack go